the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Don't have time to go on SoCal Live today? Leave Scott a voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. It's great to be with you today on this fine afternoon. Kind of warm. Guess it's going to cool down a little bit this weekend, but... Uh, I think it's cooler today than it was yesterday. It was on my, my walk to the coffee shop that I like to do. And uh, so I've got my coffee. I'm ready to go. Hey, uh, if you're watching the uh, the news, big story. We'll talk about this for a few minutes. And then uh, later on this hour, we'll talk about uh, Coolio, a uh, famous uh, recording artist who passed away unexpectedly, I think, yesterday. And, uh, you know, some of the lyrics to his uh, most famous song, Gangsta Paradise, are, are very moving and uh, you know, I think that uh, it's one of the reasons it was a big hit. Did you know there's a Stevie Wonder connection to that that's pretty powerful? So we'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, next hour, we're going to ask, what's the best music? So, uh, you know, you can just rev up for that. I'm sure that will inspire no controversy at all. Hurricane Ian. Every time I say that, I know a guy named Ian. So uh, it's, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really fit him. He's kind of a gentle soul. But Hurricane Ian did devastating damage to Florida, and that is the big story still on the news everywhere. The pictures are, you know, I guess you, you think, oh, I'm going to see these these terrible pictures, but it's pretty bad. This was Governor uh, Ron DeSantis earlier today describing the storm. Right now, if you look in central Florida, you're looking at potential major flooding in Orange and Seminole counties, uh, St. John's River, all the way up potentially into, into northeast Florida and Jacksonville. The amount of water that's been rising and will likely continue to rise today, even as the storm is passing, uh, is basically a 500-year flood event. That is an incredible statement, and I think that's right. About every 500 years, the flooding like this um, it's it's pretty devastating. Some cities that are along the Gulf Coast are just uh, Gulf Coast are just wiped out. So it's unclear now uh, what the death toll will be. One sheriff in one county said it will be hundreds, but uh, that has not been confirmed at all. I'm hoping that's not true. I'm hoping that most people got out, you know, and uh, didn't try to ride it out. But there are a lot of people there. It's the worst, one of the worst things I've seen in a while. This is Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. You can also send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Some cities, like I said, are devastated. And I, and I want you to remember, this, by the way, is on top of Hurricane Fiona, which devastated Puerto Rico just a few days ago. And that didn't get as much news. And it, it there's a lot of reasons for that. The recovery there is not going very well. It's much harder there. It's an island, okay? I saw this clip today of all these electrical trucks. Like, I wasn't sure if it was 40,000 trucks or just 40,000 men who would be riding in those trucks, but still massive number of trucks, huge number of trucks getting ready to go into Florida to get the power back on. A couple million people don't have power, and power is a huge deal. 
you know, I mean, I think you realize that, but if you're out of power for, you know, a matter of days, even if you're in a place where you're still in your home, you, that means your refrigerator probably isn't working. It means that your food spoils. It means that there will be water system problems. There's multiple problems that this creates, even in areas that weren't uh, so directly hit. So it's a big deal. All those trucks getting ready to go in, it's it's um, powerful, I think, to see that. Uh, exciting to see that. The problem for you, if you are in Puerto Rico, which is an island, is they can't drive to you. Everybody's going to come by plane or boat, and sometimes the the docks are destroyed, so the boats can't dock very easily, or the the uh, planes can't land if the airport is destroyed. P- Puerto Rico's been hit by, I think, three major hurricanes in the last few years. Maria in 2017 might have been the worst. And if you remember that uh, President Donald Trump, uh, he went over there, and one of the things that happens politically now, and both sides are doing it, uh, is that we criticize whoever the president is or whatever the administration is based on their response to natural disasters. And that's happening because that worked when it was George W. Bush with Hurricane Katrina. Uh, he got criticized very harshly, and they didn't respond well to that criticism because I think some of their thought was, well, it really is local politicians who are the ones making the decisions. And that might have been true, but it didn't really look very good. Uh, at the time, Trump was criticized pretty heavily. Remember the picture? There's there's a video actually of Donald Trump. He goes to Puerto Rico and he's tossing uh, paper towels around. He's sort of shooting them like basketballs, and uh, it was just him uh, connecting with the people. I thought it was fine. I don't know why people made fun of him for that. Um, President Biden's getting some criticism for his response to Puerto Rico as well, and you know I'm not sure that any of it really is is fair. I am sure that we need to do more. And uh, different parts of the world are doing more. There's a a fuel problem in Puerto Rico right now that uh, the British are actually helping us out. They need diesel fuel to help run the tractors and and equipment that will help clean up. There's these things, uh, they just create so much devastation. Uh, It's just very, very difficult. So we should keep all of these people in our prayers. Don't forget the people who are our family in Puerto Rico and uh, Florida. It's going to take years to recover in those communities. It's some of them are, are completely leveled and uh, let's not politicize it. Okay. I think that's another thing. DeSantis uh, was facing the same thing. People before anything happened, this was two days ago. And the, what happens with the media is they will try to create a narrative, right? And they'll do it even before there's a problem. So the idea is, well, just in case it looks like they, they flubbed up with the, the rescue efforts and everything, we will have built a case on the record that this was coming, even if it's not. Governor DeSantis does something I wish every politician would do in this regard and uh, push back. This is a reporter asking him about this a couple days ago. FEMA Administrator Chris Well said today that she acknowledged concerns that uh, Florida, as was said, lacks response to the storm so far. and that Whoa, some whoa, whoa, whoa. Give me a break. That is nonsense. Stop politicizing, okay? Stop it. We declared a state of emergency when this thing wasn't even formed. We've had people in here. You've had counties doing. Uh, they've done a lot of hard work. And, and honestly, you're trying to attack me, I get. But, like, you're attacking these other people who've worked very hard. And so so that's just totally false. Um, I don't think we've ever, certainly since I've been governor, declared a state of emergency this early. Uh, we made sure that we were very inclusive with it. We said that there was a lot of uncertainty. And, and we've worked to make sure um, the preparations that have been done and all the, the stuff, you talk to the people at the counties when they've needed something stuff gets there very quickly because of what kevin and his team have done 
And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he pushed back on that. DeSantis also was complimentary of the Biden administration that they have responded to his phone calls about um, declarations of disaster. And, you know, obviously, President Biden and, and Ron DeSantis are on the opposite ends of the spectrum. But when things like this happen, we have to have everybody come together. We have to do that. That's how a country works. It's okay that they disagree on a whole lot of stuff. It's okay that they could end up being opponents one day in a, in a presidential election. That's certainly possible. I don't think Biden's going to be running, but in case I am wrong, uh, that could happen. And yet they have to work together when these things happen. And that's, I think, why one of the big reasons why we can't we can't politicize it. And people are getting hurt. There's a lot of people working. There's a lot of people working hard. I'm sure there are some things that will always go wrong. And there will be some people who mess up. But this is a big deal. These kinds of things matter a lot. So I'm hoping that the the death toll numbers are not as much as they're saying. Hundreds, uh, one sheriff said, just in one county. I hope that's not true. I hope that's that's not that's not. Do you watch the videos? Do you pay attention? Um, a phenomenon, I think, phenomenon that's going on right now is something that's different than in years past. Is that today there are so many videos of the devastation, not just the after effects, but as it's happening. There are videos online of people who chose to ride it out and stay home for whatever reason. They did not evacuate. And uh, it's pretty um, – there's two things happening with the videos. In some cases, they didn't evacuate. So there's a there's a video of a woman who blew up in like a, uh, a floaty pool, one of those blow-up pools you might have for your kids. It's kind of big, you know, big enough for an adult to actually sit in. And she's floating in it like a raft in her living room as the water is getting higher and higher and higher. And you see the water rising up and you go, where's she going to go if this gets all the way to the ceiling? And uh, I don't know how things turned out for her, but she was she's posting that online on her social media and asking for prayers with that. That's something new. I think that people can just give you a live shot of that. The other thing that's happening is people who do evacuate, they have cameras left in their house. They're ring doorbells, or maybe you have a security system set up with cameras that is relatively inexpensive these days. And it used to be that you wouldn't know what happened to your house until you got back into town and checked it out. Now you're watching your your home and your belongings get destroyed real time. And uh, that's been you know, I think another awful part of this is you you feel so helpless when this is happening. I haven't been in a, cur- a hurricane before, but earthquakes I've been in, and I've helped people out a lot with fires, fires that burn down houses. Have you had? Have you ever had uh, your house burn down? Uh, it's a it's a terrible thing, and to go through and the, the cleanup is is so difficult, and you lose all of your stuff and. The weird thing is, is that the stuff that for some reason doesn't burn, you know, sometimes it's like the one thing you really wanted and it's this almost miraculous moment about a thing. And sometimes it's the silliest things. They just don't burn for some reason. But mostly it's a, it's a total loss. It's really, really hard. So we need to to keep these people in prayer and uh, volunteer to serve. We talked yesterday about ways that the church can help out. You know, this is going to go on for a year or two. I would encourage you to be careful about fraud, but there are a lot of legitimate organizations out there who will allow you to adopt families, who will allow your church to uh, adopt regions or different places in Puerto Rico or Florida or wherever else these things are happening. In the news uh, right now, unfortunately, is Hurricane Ian, which became Tropical Storm Ian, is now becoming a hurricane again and is threatening the Carolinas. 
And so this storm is, um, as a 500-year-old storm, not 500-year-old, a 500-year a, a storm, the governor called it, uh, is picking up steam again. And the Carolinas, South Carolina in particular now, is issuing warnings. And um, that's the, so we could be going through this again in our country in another state here in uh, the next few days. You're listening to Southern California Live. This is Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557 if you want to join our conversation. 888-528-2557. You can also email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. This leads me, of course, to be thinking about California and, and earthquake preparedness. You know, are we are we ready? Uh, and you you see some of this devastation and you see some of the people in Florida and you wonder, you know, why didn't they leave? Some of the reason people don't leave is they think they can ride out the wind, but they don't think about the water. They don't think about the storm surge, then the flooding that actually will cause the damage. So some places it's the wind, other places it is the water, often it's both. Do you think about that with with earthquakes? Do you think about uh, what you're ready to do? Did you know that some of the advice about how to survive an earthquake has changed since maybe you were younger? Uh, What do you do during an earthquake? What did they, if you're a certain age, I don't know how old you have to be before this changed. But at one point, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, this was the advice during an earthquake. Stand in the doorway of your house. Whatever's going on, you go stand in the doorway. Now they tell you not to do that. They tell you that standing in the doorway is actually maybe the worst place you can go. I'm going to read this from a University of Washington uh, website on this because I I don't want you just to take my word for it and not run to a doorway during some earthquake we're going to have and then uh, not do too well. Uh, Here's what they say. Uh, This is University of Washington. Do not run outside or to other rooms during the shaking. Have you been in an earthquake before, a really good one here in California? We haven't had, I don't don't mean good like, hey, this is a great experience. I mean, just a, a powerful one. Do you remember the Northridge quake, if you were around? That was maybe the last big Southern California one that did a lot of damage. Um, There were some bigger ones in Southern California around that time. Big Bear had, uh, I think there was a Big Bear and Yucaipa quake. I think they happened on the same day. Like one happened at 5 in the morning and the next one happened at 7 in the morning. And it was, they were in the 7s. They were incredibly powerful. I remember, I can't remember, I remember the day. And I was in Palmdale, my parents' home in Palmdale. My sister was dating a guy we didn't like at the time. And she was dating, he was in the NFL. And uh, he was a rookie. uh, So you wouldn't know his name. He ultimately didn't make it. But he was very, very sure of himself. And there were some other reasons we didn't really, you know, weren't real supportive. Uh, We were supportive of my sister. You know, he wasn't like a terrible, awful guy. We just didn't think the relationship was that good. And and ultimately they broke up uh, because of that. Well, this guy, during the earthquake, the, the house felt like somebody was picking it up and dropping it. That's how it felt in this earthquake. It felt like someone was picking up the house repeatedly and just going bang, 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 like, like God was dribbling our house like a basketball. That's what it felt like. And you know what? That gets you out of bed. If you've been in California long enough and you felt a bunch of earthquakes, we kind of ride them out now, don't we? We're like, ah, oh, that was just a five. You know, you turn on the news, you want to know, was it nearby? Was it far away? Uh, if it's less than a five, you may not even check. Uh, that one was scary. And this poor guy, he had not experienced an earthquake before. And he spent the entire day sitting on a chair with his head between his knees, just terrorized by it, which 
we enjoyed probably a little bit too much and needed to repent of. But uh, they can be terrifying. Um, this advice here is don't run outside or to other rooms during the shaking. Uh, the area of near the exterior walls of the building is actually the most dangerous place to be. Windows, facades, or architectural details are often the first parts of a building to collapse. So stay inside, they recommend, and and uh, or stay outside if you're outside and inside if you're inside. I guess if you're outside, the you wouldn't feel like running into a building. I've never had that notion. I've thought during an earthquake, maybe I ought to go outside, but I've never thought about running inside. Um. And also the shaking can be so strong that you would not be able to move very far without falling down. If you remember the big ones, uh, the Northridge one where I was, I was in Orange County, so I was pretty far away, but it felt like the ground was rolling, like there were ripples in the ground. It was the weirdest sensation. And yeah, you couldn't walk anywhere. Uh, So don't do that. But here's the big one. Do not stand in a doorway. And that's what I feel like we were all told. Do not stand in a doorway. And this is what it says. University of Washington earthquake advice. An enduring earthquake image of California is a collapsed adobe home with the door frame as the only standing part. From this came our belief that a doorway is the safest place to be during an earthquake. It's true if you live in an old, unreinforced adobe house or some other wood frame houses. Okay, so if you live in an old adobe or wood framed house, an old house, the door frame might be the best place for you because it might be the only thing remaining. But in modern houses, they say, Doorways are no stronger than any other part of the house, and the doorway does not protect you from the most likely source of injury, which is falling or flying objects. You may also not be able to brace yourself inside the door during strong shaking. You are safer under a table. So that's what they recommend, is that you get under a table if you can do that. And then this one surprised me because I thought that this was the better place to go. They say, do not get in the triangle of life. Do you know what the triangle of life is? It's not a, don't open your Bible. It's not in there. The triangle of life uh, is the idea that in a whole lot of earthquakes or when buildings collapse or things happen, that people are found in like the triangle. So next to a strong uh, bookshelf or something, and then a piece of the ceiling comes down or the roof and it creates a little triangle. And if you're hiding out in that triangle, you'll survive. But according to the University of Washington, these are some wrong assumptions They say that buildings always, the wrong assumptions are these, that buildings always collapse in earthquakes. Uh, This is wrong. They can collapse, uh, especially in developed nations. Uh, This isn't always the case. When buildings collapse, they always crush the furniture inside. That's also wrong. People do survive under furniture and shelters. It's a myth, they say, that people can always anticipate how the building might collapse and anticipate the location of survivable void spaces. And they say, no, that's wrong. The direction and shaking uh, of unique structural aspects of the building make it impossible to predict where it's going to. I've never thought about that. I've never, I don't, you know how your brain starts to calculate things really fast when you're in trouble? I've never thought about that in an earthquake. Um, During strong shaking, people can move to the desired location and they say, no, that's wrong. They can't. Um, Some other recommendations in the Triangle of Life email are based on wrong assumptions and are very hazardous. For example, the recommendation to get out of your car during an earthquake and lie down next to it assumes there is always an elevated freeway above you and that will fall across your car. I guess we've seen images of crushed cars and earthquakes and that you shouldn't do that. Um, You know, it's funny. This article doesn't really give you great advice on what to actually do. It just says don't do these things. Let's see here. Preparedness. I, it's a funny thing that you would have this page and it doesn't really tell you what, you know, basically it says everything you know is wrong. 
So run, I don't know, scream and yell, pray, pray to God. Uh, I think you do want to get under a, under a table or under a piece of sturdy furniture. That's the best best deal for you. Uh, get under a desk. Uh, if you got better advice, that's University of Washington. That's what it has to say. I think it's interesting that we learn these things differently, especially the doorway thing. That was the drill. We used to have earthquake drills, right, where you, you run to a doorway and you get in the doorway. When I was in college, at uh, I went to UC Riverside. There were several earthquakes while I was in college. And they were somewhat enjoyable as a Southern Californian, only because people who were at UC Riverside from out of state um, were terrorized running down the hall when it really wasn't that bad, you know, just kind of rumble a little bit. And I remember the dorm building swaying back and forth, but we all got up in the dorms. Twice I remember this happening, and we all got in the doorway. That's what we did. That's what we were trained to do. But I guess it would have been smarter for us to get under the desks that we had inside the rooms. I don't know. Are you prepared? It's worth being prepared. I think one of the other things to do, by the way, if you haven't done this, is to build an earthquake kit. You can go to Costco and get some water, some canned foods, and Costco even has those meals ready to eat. Um, It's sort of uh, the emergency kit, and they're, they're supposed to last 30 years or something. So we've got one of those. We usually have some bottled water. That really matters. The bottled water matters. It is critical in these kinds of disasters because the water system may not work. And, uh, you know, the bottled water delivery guy is not coming uh, for a while. Don't wait. This would be my thought here is don't wait to have some kind of earthquake plan and preparedness kit. It's going to happen at any time. All right. At any time we can do that and uh, get enough to share not only with your family or roommates, whoever you live with, but with neighbors because they're not going to prepare either. You can help them out. Uh, by doing that. When we when we see these disasters, one of the responses for us on the other side of the country is to say, well, am I ready for whenever there's some kind of disaster here? So build a kit, find out the right things to do, and uh, be prepared. All right. Uh, when we get back, uh, we're going to talk about music a little bit today and the um, uh, famous... Uh, Recording artist Coolio passed away, and some interesting things about his most famous song, Gangsta's Paradise, and uh, Stevie Wonder's involvement with that, and I thought that might be interesting. This is Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557, if you want to join our conversation. I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. I'll be back as the Thursday edition continues. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Join the conversation now by texting Scott in the SoCal Live studio at 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Before the break, we were talking about earthquake preparedness and how there's so many myths out there. A good website to check out if you want to get prepared for an earthquake. There's several out there, but the U.S. Geological Service uh, usgs.gov has a lot of good earthquake advice, and uh, I think that is a, a good place to go. There, you know, a lot of the recommendation is to make sure that you uh, tie stuff down in the house. There's so many things that actually uh, fall on people during earthquake. So shelves fall over, things, um, you know, big heavy uh, lamps that might be up high. That's one of the things that is a, a really big deal. Um, and, uh, they, again, they also talk about how the, uh, the triangle of life, um, is not something that's real. I, I thought that was that. So it's good to check this once in a while. I would have advised you personally 
to lean up against a bookshelf that's sturdy or something because if something comes down, they find people in the triangles that are formed when you know larger things come down. Uh, they say that doesn't happen. I guess that myth started because some earthquakes in Turkey that was true, but they're saying the U.S. Geological Service says that because houses and buildings are built differently in the United States, that usually isn't the case. Uh, what they believe that you should do is uh, drop cover and hold on to a table or desk. So get under something, hold on to something like that that's sturdy, and that's the best thing to do. Uh, whatever you do, get prepared. U.S. Geological Service has some good input on that, usgs.gov. Don't wait. The earthquake could happen at any moment. We were talking yesterday about the hurricanes and how people have a few days to prepare. The thing is, is earthquakes, we've had a few years to prepare, actually. It's coming at any time. 888-528-2557 is the number. Dan in Rancho Santa Margarita. Dan, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a great discussion, being prepared for hurricanes and in California and elsewhere, uh, earthquakes. But there's something else that's been going on for six, seven, eight months, and that's the threat of, of Russia uh, nuclear weapons. And um, I've heard Biden on 60 Minutes a couple of weeks ago uh, double down again on asking him what would be our response if China invades Taiwan, which does seem imminent at some point. They said they will take it over. And uh, I think uh, if that's the case and we defend Taiwan, you know, we may have a nuclear war. And then China, uh, Russia has said many times over the last several months about the possibility of their use of, of nuclear weapons. So we need to be prepared. Everybody should have like six months worth of food in their garage, maybe beans, rice, water and uh, things like that. And I find that when I talk to Christians, they're not really we're too um, preoccupied with work or whatever. And we're not really thinking about the future. Plus, we can help our neighbors should one of these disasters happen. So right. I just think it's good common sense to use uh, to, to be prepared. Yeah, I think you're right, Dan. There's all kinds of things that could happen. And we're told, thanks for calling Dan, Southern California Live, to be prepared. You know, the war issue is, it's one I think we don't want to think about, but that is for real. In, in the city of New York, they actually made, the city of New York actually made a video that they put on television, like a public service announcement. This is this this year. They did this this year, 2022, letting people know what they should do if a nuclear weapon is dropped on on New York. No kidding. That's what they, they this is for real. And, you know, it's uh, it's not something that's unheard of in our time. We had those all the time in the 1950s and 60s and uh, into the 70s. We had little you know, it was we had in fact when I was a little kid, I I wanna say third grade is the last time I wanna say third grade is the last time that I did this. I wanna say it, so I'm gonna say it. Thursday was the third grade was the last time that I did this. We had nuclear weapon drill. Stop, drop and roll. When you see the flash, you know the stop, drop and roll for the fires, but it was duck and cover. That's what it was for nuclear weapons, duck and cover. If you see the flash, duck and cover. Cover your eyes because you could go blind because of the flash and uh duck uh, I don't know if that would really do you any good, but that was that's what they did. Um, hopefully, we're not headed towards there. It's another story that we'll. We're, we're, I'm looking at it to kind of get there, and and don't be afraid. There's been war and disasters all along. The best thing you can do is get prepared. Get prepared for whatever might happen. We've had big fires. I remember uh, when I was in San Diego. There were in 2007. If you remember that major fires that blocked off every freeway leading in and out of San Diego County. You actually couldn't leave the county. 
and there was so much smoke and ash in the air that it was it was like snow. My house looked like it snowed. There was so much ash everywhere in the yard, the driveway, uh, on the eaves. If you're up on the second floor and you could look out and you could see part of the roof and it looked like it had snowed. That was how much ash. It was a it was a frightening time. Be prepared. Go to the store. Buy a bunch of bottled water. It'll keep for a long time. Keep it in the garage. There are emergency kits of food. And uh, canned food lasts a long time. And uh, Dan is right. Do this for your neighbors, too, because they're probably not doing it. Um, and that, that I think it's normal, but not the right thing for us to not prepare. It's normal to get busy, and we just think about it. We don't do it. You know what? This weekend, that's a good, you know, maybe a good plan for you. Think about this uh, hurricane and go, you know what? I'm going to get prepared for whatever the reason. All right. Uh, 888-528-2557. Another story in the news I was thinking about it is uh, the uh, uh, hip hop artist Coolio. Remember him from the 90s? Uh, He passed away. We don't know all the circumstances. It's being reported that he was at a friend's house and had cardiac arrest, but we don't know. Uh, what the reason is, but he passed away. He was 59. Probably his most famous song is Gangsta's Paradise. Here's what it sounds like. As I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Because I've been blasting and laughing so long that... Even my mama thinks that my mind is gone But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking Or you and your homies might be lying and chalk All right, so he goes on that way. We have a couple of clips of it. The lyrics to that song, I'm I'm somebody who, when I get into to music, I want to read the lyrics and understand what is this song actually about. You know, I think you have to do that. Uh, certainly as parents, you have to do that because there's stuff going on right now that anything, whatever the worst thing you can think of from, I think the song came out in 1995 or 96, whatever the worst thing that you might have thought in that year, it's nothing compared to what's going on right now, what your kids are listening to. What the kids are listening today is pornographic. Literally, it's not su- it's not suggestive. It's just out there in the open. Uh, it's kind of horrible. But some of these songs that maybe you didn't pay a lot of attention to, or maybe you really did, the reason you did is because there's some there's some depth to it. Now, this song, it's got a great rhythm, and the rhythm was taken from Stevie Wonder. In fact, I'll tell you a story in a minute about Stevie Wonder's uh, agreement with Coolio on the song. He almost didn't let him do it. Uh, and there was a reason that I think is very interesting for that. But this song, when you read it, as I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I take a look at my life and realize there's not much left. And as you go through the lyrics of the song, it's a song of great hopelessness. And it's a song that even today is very relevant if you are living in inner city and part of kind of the gang culture that is going on and what was happening in the 90s and the Crips and the Bloods and all of that and the music that was coming out. It, this song expresses a certain hopelessness that a lot of people deal with, and I think that we need to know about it. We need to understand that this is there. As Christians, we have the answer to this. And if you are a part of a world where there is gun violence in particular, and you know people whose life has been taken deliberately or even on accident because of crossfire and other stuff, there's stuff that goes on every single day in our city and cities across the United States in this way. 
The lyrics continue because I've been blasting and laughing so long that even my mama thinks that my mind is gone. But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it. Me be treated like a punk, and you know that's unheard of. You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking, or you and your homies might be lined in chalk. And uh, I really hate to trip, but I got a loke. As they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke. And it starts to develop this story of the hopelessness of living in that world. And it's what makes this song, I think, very, very powerful. Uh, one line is, on my knees in the night saying prayers in the streetlight, been spending most of their lives living in the gangster's paradise. He goes on in another verse to say, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life, do or die. What can I say? I'm 23 now, but I live. will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know. Tell me, why are we so blind to see that the ones we hurt are you and me? There's, uh, there is a suffering that is in our culture that if this isn't the part of town that you live in or you didn't grow up near it, that maybe you don't understand. But can I, can I say to you, Christian and people in the church, we need to understand the different things that our brothers and sisters are going through, that the families are going through. In our life, and one of the biggest blessings that happened in my ministry career, working with gun violence and some really terrible things, and I have to say, I learned more during that period of time than I've ever learned in in practical ministry. I didn't have a lot to say; I had a lot to learn, and the hopelessness is a big part of it. And you need to know that everywhere in our country, here in L.A. and San Diego, wherever you might be listening. There are heroes who are working really hard to bring hope into our communities. The lyric here says, they say, I got to learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand it, how can they reach me? I guess they can't. I guess they won't. I guess they, I guess they front. That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool. It's a powerful song because people relate to it. People who are walking every day in this way. Can I say this to you? Let's, as believers, not ignore what's happening in our own community with brothers and sisters in Christ, in churches that maybe meet in a different part of town or a different ethnicity or have a different uh, way of doing church. We need to connect. We need to be in prayer. We need to support one another, however that is done. I think in a lot of ways we just need to care. That's a really big, big part of it. Uh, Do you care? Do you really care? Part of caring is just understanding what's going on. Maybe you don't have the ability to help. Maybe you're not the right person to help. But you are the right person to care. And we need to know these things. i got to take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you the Stevie Wonder connection to Gangsta's Paradise, that song, the Coolio song. And uh, we'll deal with that as soon as we get back. If you want to join our conversation, the number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Email us, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I'm Scott Furrow. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. Too nervous to go live on the radio with Scott Furrow? Then share your thoughts on the SoCal Live voicemail at 213-537-3812. That's 213-537-3812. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you. You can join our conversation, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. 
We were talking about musician Coolio, who died yesterday suddenly. We don't know why. He was 59 years old. We don't know what the reason might have been. And I don't know what his faith was like, where he was with the Lord, what, uh, you know, where he might have been in recent years with that. I have no idea. But we do uh, offer condolences, and then we pray for his family and friends, as we would with anybody who passes away. His big songs, big hit, Gangsta Paradise, uh, made him a big star in the 1990s. And it's a song that really is one that expresses the hopelessness uh, that many young people, particularly young African-Americans, feel in neighborhoods where there is a lot of pressure to be in gangs or or opportunity that's taken up to be in gangs. And the gang thing is it's a a major impact in life, but it doesn't offer hope. It offers some belonging for a short period of time that's often missing, but it doesn't offer hope. Uh, and the song, I think, makes an impact because it, it really speaks to the truth of how young people feel if you're part of gang culture. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons that you should read lyrics and pay attention to what it would mean that somebody would write that song. Coolio said that he wrote it in one sitting, that he just he he said that he just felt inspired to write the song. And I think it's because it did come out of his heart for a lot of people. Well, he drew on Stevie Wonder, a Stevie Wonder song from 1976, a song called Pastime Paradise. Uh, it sounded like this. And spending most of their lives living in a pastime paradise. And spending most of their lives living in a pastime paradise. And wasting most of their time glorifying days long gone behind. So Stevie Wonder's song was uh, a hit for him in the, the 70s. There's some debate that goes on. Sometimes there's you know debate about what a song means and what maybe the artist thinks uh, it means or what they're trying to communicate. And the pastime paradise is of a different subject. Most people believe that it has to do with race relations uh, especially, but not just that. Uh, the lyrics are how many of them, you know, are you and me. And he's talking about at the beginning of the song, the pastime paradise is the idea that sometimes we look at the past or we look at another place in the past and we start to think that those days that are gone long behind were just better. And we take a look at the past and we sort of wash it clean of whatever might have been bad. Do you do that in your life? Do you think that maybe your high school days were the best or that some period of time in the best was the best? And it's a shame to do that. Even if it was a better time, you have to live now. So that song, the Stevie Wonder song, begins by talking about, hey, we can't just be living in the past. We got problems of race relations and consolation and segregation, dispensation, isolation, exploitation, mutilation. There's a whole bunch of stuff. He says confirmation to the evils of the world. He says we're spending our, our lives living in a pastime paradise. And that's because a lot of people in different ways were saying, well, it used to be better then. Or it used to be better in this culture, or it was better when we were like this, those kinds of things. We do that now. We do that in our life. We do that culturally. The second verse, though, he says they've been spending most of their lives living in a future paradise. Okay, so it's the same kind of lyric, except here he brings in spirituality, Christianity, it says. Uh, For the days that sorrows lost from time, they keep telling of the day when the Savior of love will come to stay. Tell me who of them will come to be. How many of them are you and me? 
proclamation of race relations, consolation, integration, verification of revelation, acclamation, world salvation, vibration, stimulation, com- confirmation to peace of the world. And the, the message, though, of the song, most people agree, is that we seem to be a people who spend a lot of time thinking about the past and how we're trying to regain something from the past or regain a time period that either is long gone or it wasn't really as good as we thought it was or that we think it is now. But we also sometimes look to the future, and I think we do this as believers, right? We are we look to the future of Jesus coming back, and this is what Stevie Wonder's talking about. We look to the future of Jesus coming back, and we, gonna, we say he's going to resolve all the problems. There will be justice. He will be the king on the throne. All of this division, all of this this race problems, every problem we got is going to be resolved because the kingdom of God will be here to rule. And amen, hallelujah, that is true. It's great. We should look forward to that. But the message here, and I believe this is the scriptural message. This is the message of the book of Revelation. It's the message that Jesus says in Matthew 25 when he talks about his coming again is, what are we doing today? We have these issues that are what, whatever you, however you want to define them, so many things of, of injustice and crime and violence and hatred and all these things going on today. The answer is not to go to an era that's in the past And the answer is not to just hang our hat on the future. Yes, Jesus will take care of it, but what are we doing today? It matters a lot. The interesting thing about this song and Coolio using the the tune to it and the rhythm and all of that is in Coolio's version, there were a couple of curse words and a couple of words that uh, would not be something we could say on the radio. And Stevie Wonder refused to give him the, the rights to do the song unless he took those words out. And Stevie Wonder said, you can't do that. You need to have a more positive way to reach people and let people hear the message of the song. And if you put those words in there, fewer people will hear it. It can't be played on the radio. It's not a good business decision. You need to take them out. And he agreed, and he got a number one hit. It wasn't just a number one hit, the the Coolio version in the United States. It was a number one hit in the world. And the... There's a lot of people who resonated very, very personally with that song. Good for Stevie Wonder. I think he's right. I wonder if that's still true. We might talk about that a little bit in the next hour. I wonder if Stevie Wonder's advice is still true today. I think it is. Uh, Maybe not as much because we, we allow so much more today than we would have allowed for then. I think we've lost whatever bit of innocence we might have had in 1976 is gone. Uh, I think to some extent, it's still true. You still can't do it on the radio. You still can't do it on TV. I tell this to comedians all the time, young comedians. It's like, if you can't do an act without cursing, then where do you think this is going to go? You know, if you can't be funny without saying a lot of bad or crude things, then, you know, you're not going to be on The Tonight Show, which is where you want to be. You're not going to be able to have a television sitcom. You're not going to be able to have, you know, and that that is true, except that's leaving us too, right? Because the streaming things, they don't care. There's no boundaries. There's no boundaries in the movies. We've changed a lot, haven't we? Anyway, I thought it was a very interesting thing. You know, the point is, as I, I think about this, and I, I get moved. I don't know what happened to me. At some point in my life, I started to care about poetry and song lyrics, stuff that, I don't know, maybe when you're younger, maybe you get into it. And I didn't really care for it that much when I was younger, but now I do. And I start to think about what is it that this writer is communicating about themselves, about the state of humanity. What does it mean for us as believers? And I actually think you can learn a lot. And one of the things you've got to learn is that people's experiences 
and the hopelessness that people feel because of race relations or because of a violent world that they live in or poverty or even loneliness that you can have wherever you are. There's so many things that people live through and live with where they are hopeless. My friends, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have ultimate hope to give everyone. Part of that hope begins, it all begins and ends with Jesus Christ, that he is the Savior. And then the work that we are given from Jesus Christ is to be with people. The goal of the Lord throughout the scriptures is that he's going to be with us. He's with us in the garden. He's going to be with us in the end as our king. He was with the Israelites in the temple. He's with us as Jesus. He's with us now as uh, with the Holy Spirit. And God wants to be with us. It's, a, it's an amazing, brilliant uh, thing. In the meantime, part of our role as believers, wherever it is God has placed us, is to be with people, to be with people so that they have hope. So to be with people, not because the hope is in us as individuals, but because the hope is in Jesus Christ who we represent. I don't know if you think of it that way, but we in this hour, we've talked about disasters, we've talked about earthquakes, we've talked about death, we've talked about nuclear war, we've talked about so many things, and we've talked about gang violence, we've talked about death. There is hope in Jesus Christ, don't forget it, and that hope is carried by you. Not because you're a good person or that you deserve it or because you've thought it through in in some magnificent way, but because Jesus trusts you with that message to take it to the people that he's placed in your life. I believe that the people who are in your life, God has purposefully and providentially placed them there so that you can represent Christ to them. And I also believe that he has called us to go and make disciples, meaning that we have to get up. doesn't mean necessarily to go to another country, but if you're a person— Can I challenge you, Christian, here? If you're a person and the only people you know are Christians, you need to go out there and find some non-Christian friends. If the only people you know are people who are just like you and background and, and socioeconomic status or whatever, you need to go out there and make some friends who are different. And by friends, I mean the type of person that you would invite to your house for dinner, the type of person who would invite you to their house for dinner. Have those kinds of relationships. That's the relationship that Jesus had with people. And... It's a huge blessing. It'll, it will change your life. Every day becomes different because then it's ministry, a ministry of hope that we have to offer in this hopeless world of natural disaster, of consequence of sin, of sadness, of death. We have the hope of Jesus Christ. I know I'm preaching a bit here, but this is everyday life for the believer. In all this terrible news that you turn on the TV and you're just watching one thing after another, The message of Jesus Christ is one of hope that works for every culture, every background, every person, every language, and you've got it, my friend. It's in Jesus Christ. Your sins are forgiven. Go do the right thing in Jesus Christ. Do what he's called you to do. All right, when we get back, we'll talk about music and uh, what's the best music. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. The number is 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the Thursday edition of Southern California Live continues. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.